Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, well, if you're wondering why you're hearing from us again so soon after our Sunday show, uh, it's because we have both updates about the European Super League and also Tottenham have sacked Jose Mourinho. To help me talk about both things, we're joined by Steve Magukin, who frequents the show somewhat regularly and also used to be the chairman of New York Spurs, the uh, Spurs supporters group in New York City. Steve, an absolute pleasure chatting to you as always. Maybe not under the best of circumstances this time, though. Uh, the Jose Mourinho era has indeed ended at Tottenham. He kept claiming that he's never left a club without winning a trophy and Tottenham wouldn't be his first. But in fact, he leaves just six days before the next opportunity Tottenham would have had. Yes, absolutely, Kevin. Thanks very much for having me on. What a what a bizarre day. It really it really has been. Um, uh, you know, um, the irony, of course, is that a week ago we were... Uh, all caught up with um, a, a shaggy dog and and Julux's uh, social media oh accounts. Was that only a week about, ago? It's only a week ago, and now, now we're talking about basically the, the, the world of football imploding on itself uh, in in so many ways. But um, yeah, it's good to be back on with you, and I'm looking forward to our chat. Uh, I mean, Spurs certainly picked a good <laughs> a good day to bury the bad news, and of course, you know the irony being that they hired a manager to win trophies, as you say, and then sacking him in the week of a of a cup final. It's actually hilarious, but it's completely in keeping with the pantomime that, that has been our season this year. Um, but uh, seriously, apparently Levy, Daniel Levy made the decision uh, after the Everton game on Friday night. And, and uh, we really needed to win one of those two games, the Man United game or or the Everton game, uh, in order to be in with a realistic chance, I think, of challenging for the top four. And that was th- those those two games, I think, in microcosm, summed up our, our season. Uh, and, and there's absolutely no doubt that the season was characterized by, by a, cons- a consistent underachievement. It was, it was the way in which we were failing. There was a pattern to how we were failing. So... Um, you know, I, I I do agree with with the decision. I'm just sad it it came to it um, because I I certainly think that Mourinho has been one of the the best managers that the Premier League has has ever seen. Um, just not with us, uh, but it was in, increasingly clear. I mean, you you'll realize that you know the situation had become untenable. Uh, even though you know a lot of a lot of Spurs fans, myself included, and we've talked about this actually thought that he would probably end up seeing out his contract simply because, um, you know, it, w- it w- would have been too difficult or too expensive to, to go down this this path. And I, kn- I know we're going to come on to talk about it in a minute, but I just wonder how much the discussion about the promised revenues from the Super League um, mm. factored into that decision where it suddenly got to the stage where money really wasn't the prime consideration. Um, I mean, Dan, Daniel Levy is, as you know, is nothing if not a student of business timing, and uh, he's probably figuring that, that just as he swooped to get Mourinho in the first place, that this decision, this move, will prove to be, you know, another masterstroke, uh, even if it requires him in the in the short term to accept that his judgment was clouded by his pursuit of Jose. But I, I mean, I, I'd like to hear what you think as well. But I don't think there's any doubt that we've we've certainly gone backwards from where we are with uh, where we were with Pochettino, and and now mm. we're we're facing you know yet another reset under uh, under Levy's ownership. Yeah, I, I think everything you say there makes a lot of sense, and it's quite right. Uh, it is worth noting that the slide did happen under Pochettino. 
I think a lot of people remember the 2019 campaign as the one that brought us to a Champions League final, but forget that we we were listing heavily in the league towards the end of that season. Um, and then obviously started the year so poorly under Pochettino that he ended up getting sacked. So I, I do just want to avoid any Pochettino revisionism towards the end at his oh, height. Yeah, he no, took no. us places we yeah. never dreamed of, of really going. Um, but towards the end, it, it wasn't that great. And, and so I think the overall trajectory for Mourinho was pointed downwards from from the get-go, and he didn't do enough to reverse that. Um, obviously, yeah. they had the the push after the... Uh, pause of the pandemic to get into the Europa League. We saw heavily they celebrated. That was the only thing we could get into at that point. And obviously, was it a loss or a draw against Sheffield United? Like right after the restart. <laughs> yeah, and it basically knocked us out of out of any contention for top four um, last season. And then, as you say, we we had to win um, any really of, of the last three or four. I think at this point we're 18th in the form table. Um, Probably yes. not good enough when you have to win them to to secure one of those top four spots. Um, although, do top four spots even matter? We'll talk about that more a little bit later, as, as Steve alluded to. But I do wonder if the ESL stuff has led to this decision. Because if Jose Mourinho's clause, which we heard was $30 million, was uh, halved if we didn't make Champions League, and now we intentionally have chosen to not be in the Champions League next year, even though we probably wouldn't have qualified. Did that allow them to trigger the 15 million buyout instead of the 30 million? Because we've already seen some reports today that it was 16. So if it's like 15 plus like a little added on change or something. That could be what happened. Not to overly speculate, but um, as for Mourinho's time as the actual manager, obviously started brightly. We had we scored loads of goals. I think West Ham and Burnley were two of the first few. Um, that, that we scored goals and then conceded a fair few. Actually, I think Burnley was 5-0, but the West Ham, I think, was 3-2 or 4-3 or something crazy like that. Delhi obviously started on an incredibly hot streak under Mourinho. We were so excited for him to be kind of the the 1B to Kane's 1A. Um, and then as we talked mm-hmm. about early in the season, uh, you and I did, that as soon as that became Sun, Delhi just fell out of out of the picking yeah. order entirely. And yeah, yeah he, you're, you have to be wondering which players this this will end up affecting. But as for Mourinho's tenure, I mean, it has to be viewed as a failure unless you're just talking about the appearances of being elite. And I made this point on the show yesterday, so I'm not going to delve into it too much. But I think that Daniel Levy's version of success is what has just happened with the European Super League. It was building the training ground to be to have the appearance of being an elite club, building the stadium to have the appearance of being an elite club, not signing a naming rights deal, which I'm sure will be worth more money. Um, in this Super League because we're in this elite group. Signing Jose Mourinho, an elite manager, to look like an elite club. Bringing back Gareth Bale to kind of show that we can still draw the big names, even though he might be on the decline of his own career. And I think that was the point, was getting us all to have the appearance of being elite until we were selected into this elite group. And then as soon as we did that, it kind of feels like he didn't need Mourinho anymore. The fans had already turned. We're hearing reports that especially the French section of the dressing room had already fallen out with Mourinho and then it was just kind of spreading and the defenders got quieter and quieter in the dressing room um so he already got us signed up for this new thing it's a 23 year contract with the European Super League if it does end up actually happening which who knows um but uh, unless you're thinking of the appearance of of being an elite club the hiring of Jose Mourinho was a failure and it's not because we let go of Poch we were struggling under Poch when we let Poch go but it was an attempt to capitalize on the aging talent already at the club before we had to start a new cycle, and it didn't work. He, he had opportunities, obviously, in all of the competitions each year, getting knocked out by Norwich last year um, in the FA Cup when that was our last chance there after being knocked out in the Champions League to Leipzig. I think that all happened in like a two- or three-week stretch while mm-hmm. Kane was injured, if memory serves. Then, obviously, this year, uh, we're in the Carabao Cup final, but got knocked out of the FA Cup in that weird, crazy match against Everton. Um, Got knocked out of the Europa League, which just, I I think, was the ending point for a lot of people that were kind of in the neutral, not in the Jose in or Jose out camp. But the people that were just kind of in the middle were like, oh, if he isn't going to keep us going in that, then obviously all these losses knocked us out of any likely chance of finishing in the top four again will that matter time will tell but it, it just has to be a failure right yeah i know i think everything you said there is exactly right and uh it, the conspiracy theorist in me would ascribe those uh motivations to someone who thinks um 
five years ahead. Uh, but I think hmm. what what Levy what Levy's motivation is and what was driving him certainly was this concept of um, us being seen as an elite club, as among one of Europe's elite. The stadium is is the personification of that. Uh, and and as you say, his judgment, or as I said, I think his judgment was clouded by his desire to get Mourinho. He obviously, Which you know, twenty years. Want, yeah, he'd wanted him for for years, absolutely. And then uh, I'm not saying, and 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 you're right, the revisionism. Uh, there's no place for revisionism, but I'm not saying that it wasn't right to um, to lose Pochettino. I'm just saying that obviously we haven't progressed in the way that uh, you would have expected us to. To do, uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I, I think um, there is also a realization that that Mourinho is not the manager that he was, and also that the game is not the game under which Mourinho had his greatest successes, uh, and just trying to replicate some of those strategic aspects uh, probably wasn't going to work. Um, so. You know, yes, I, I mean, we are where we are. Um, we, I, I think we've we've trod water um, during the Mourinho period. It was incredibly disappointing. I mean, uh, the um, the six one at at, um, at Old Trafford that was the, obviously the high point, and it was it was always going to be downhill from there, no matter no matter what we did. And and as you uh, uh, as well pointed out, I think the low point for all of us was was probably the collapse. Uh, against Zagreb, and and but there, you know there were there were a lot of frustrating performances this this year, and you know truth be told, in the league, three points is three points. It doesn't matter who you get them from, and we just left ourselves coming into this sort of final run of the season. We just left ourselves too few games against teams that we should have been able to dominate, uh, and we weren't able to do that. So, uh, and I I think the point you made about losing not the not losing the dressing room but losing elements of the dressing room is certainly very important because that's all that's all you need to lose really um so yeah i think i think there's um there's a collective responsibility the players bear responsibility um uh, daniel bears responsibility but you know Mourinho bears a responsibility for um finding himself out on the street today and and who knows whether he'll manage again i you know um it, it, it just it remains to be seen so uh yeah i think two two big backward steps um over the last uh over the last couple of years mm. certainly not uh, not anything to be excited about unfortunately yeah and i'm sure you saw last week they posted the uh highlights of the manchester city match the the quarterfinal for the champions league uh, it, it just yeah. felt like a further hammering yeah. of the nail of how far we'd fallen in just two years Absolutely. Just in terms of personal belief as well. I mean, yeah. now and feeling like part of the club, which the fans got to feel yeah. under Pochettino, and it never felt like that under Mourinho. Absolutely. I mean, that was the thing with Pochettino. When we went on the pitch, you thought we were going to win. And even when we didn't, you know, you knew why we didn't. We could analyze the game afterwards. But now with Mourinho, you get the sense. You know, how many of us have watched a game on TV and we've taken the lead and we've gone, oh, my God, that's too early. You know, we're, we're, we're just going to try and sit now for 60 minutes. Um, so it's just a different mindset about what your expectations are for success. And our lack of consistency across this season, I think, has been the, the most disappointing thing. But yeah. Um, as you said about Mourinho's future, we're unsure if he'll uh, coach again. He was uh, kind of ambushed by Sky Sports at his home as he was uh, unpacking after he got home from being sacked. Uh, he said, you know me, you know I'm not going to say anything. No need for breaks and recharging my batteries. I'm always in football. So certainly <laughs> seems to think he's he's uh, getting another job sometime soon. I saw somebody already mention the Bayern Munich job. I can't imagine he will get a job at a club bigger than Tottenham next right right but you know well, we'll see that's not that's not to blow our trumpet it's just basically no. this well you know what have you done for me lately very much so and, and you mentioned that that his his peak was in a different era and i was talking to, to my fiance about this about he he always was a huge proponent of negative reinforcement 
of if I tell you you're not able to do something, you'll come back and be like, oh, screw you. Yes, I can. And I think with the new generation of players and during a pandemic when there's so much negativity and everything like that already in the world, all the racial injustice stuff, not to get too far into it, but we're in a very negative time. And I don't think a manager trying to apply negative, well, negative tactics uh, on the pitch, but negative uh, psychological tactics is something that would work with this generation anyway. But in this right. time, trying to like tell people they're not good enough and expecting them to respond as opposed yeah. to just get further down because of everything else in the world, I think is one of the reasons that he isn't the manager of Tottenham anymore. Yeah, and I think in terms of his personal career and his personal stock, there's a cumulative effect now where what has happened over the past year and a bit with us has diluted his previous um uh, abilities and his his previous Hmm. ability to walk into a dressing room and command respect uh again it it comes back to this you know what what have you done for me lately concept and and especially with players as you say players need the arm around the shoulder more than they need um the 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 stick or the um they need the carrot there's a reason potch and redknapp were our two most recent successful managers and it wasn't avb or Mourinho. right right yeah um, question as we kind of transition a- a- away from the Mourinho era here, like I said in the open, he kept saying that Tottenham wouldn't be the first club that he leaves without winning a-, a trophy. He obviously does leave without winning a trophy. Do you have any regret that Tottenham were the ones that didn't benefit from his seeming mm. Midas touch when it comes to trophies? Or do you agree that everything was just so untenable that we probably wouldn't have won it with him anyway? I also think uh, that the the squad that he had probably would not have won the Europa League this year, uh, given the other the other teams that were uh, into the sort of final stages of it. But um, I was just I was just overwhelmingly disappointed by the way we went out of that tournament. Um, that was that uh, that summed up where I think we were and the. The indecision and the um, lack of confidence in ourselves, I think that that pervaded that whole that whole performance against Zagreb. Uh, yes, obviously disappointed that, that that we didn't win a trophy. I I think in a way also to, just to come back to the point about the timing of the announcement, uh, it would have been harder to go through with this if he had won the Carabao Cup, even though you know, and and I have a soft spot for the Carabao Cup. Uh, but it, it's not what you would call a, uh, a premier trophy, uh, especially now in the context of you know talking about the the, uh, the potential of the of the Super League. Um, but it's you know it's something that, uh, that that we can hang our put the ribbons on and, and hang our achievement on for a season, and we we weren't able even able to get to that stage. Uh, I mean, as I say, you know, I do. I do have a, a, an attachment to the to the to the to the League Cup because um, to digress for a second, I took, I, 1999. I, I took my son to uh, to Wembley for the first time, and Alan Nielsen scored just down in front of us. Actually, although we we, we were in like the third row, so we're down at pitch level, so not not a great view when you're eight years old. So Tom didn't really uh, see much of. Uh, <laughs> that day but it was a it was a great day and it would have it would have been awful to have lost a game like that and then uh in 2008 i was at uh, floyd's uh, a place you know well on atlantic avenue in brooklyn mm-hmm. we managed to you know get one over on chelsea and it felt like it felt like there was a real sort of sense of well, let's use this as a stepping stone to move forward uh, and it, you know, it's hard to believe that that was that was so completely misguided even back then. It's hard to believe that that was the last time we we lifted a trophy. I mean, God bless you, Wandy Ramos. But um, but I mean, you know, the interesting thing, looking ahead to Sunday. I mean, you know, as as we are, um, someone tweeted the other day that, that they said it's Tottenham Hotspur FC that's playing in the final, not not Jose Mourinho FC. Mm. And no, it's really and, not. It, yeah, exactly. And and yeah, and um, I mean, at the end of the day, it sort of brings everything back to uh, to your uh, your allegiance. Your your allegiance is to the club, not to the manager, or not actually even to any of the individual players, because you know, at the end of the day, every player should be upgradable. Um, so you know, and that's something you know that 
is still to unfold over the over the next few weeks and months. But uh, you know, just for a, for a season that that promised so much, the idea that you know that we can uh, we can actually build on on this this guy's reputation and and promise and and uh, reputation for for being a winner that there was that potential there and now we have such a gloomy prospect um ahead i think even even a win on sunday is is going to feel like an underachievement uh and and i'll be honest i don't even think we'll manage that to be to be fair because i think you know city are head and shoulders the best team in the country at the moment and i think they're their slip up against uh, against Chelsea the other day in the in the FA Cup was was just that I think it it was a blip. Um, and it's although worse that like, we're the other side of that because that slip could have been us, <laughs> but instead yeah. they've already done it. Well, well, that, yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's very rare for a good team to to um, you know go into the go into a, a dip like that twice in a row. Uh, but uh, you know you have to say fair play to to Thomas Tuchel and and the way he's organised his team. I mean, it, it, if you get the defence right, uh, it lets everyone else play with a bit of confidence, and that's that's I think what we have been missing. There's there's been no confidence on the field, uh, and as I say, I think there's a shared responsibility um, in in that in that outcome. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I, I can't say I'm too optimistic. Uh, the, the new manager bounce has pretty categorically been proven to not really happen. If, if anything, it's one result the second match in. Uh, uh-huh. Which technically we have Southampton midweek, so you know <laughs> yeah, Ryan sure. Mason's blue and white army and all that. Um, well, good, good for Ryan. I think you know, given yeah. what he through, it's fantastic that he's uh, actually getting a chance to to um, show what he can do. I agree. And if we somehow won, somebody has to make a movie about that. I mean, he nearly <laughs> died on a pitch, then yeah. came back to Tottenham to get all of his coaching badges done. Ended up in the youth system here and is now taking over. Why it's not Ledley, still not entirely sure. Uh, even even weeks ago, it seemed pretty clear that it would be Mason that would take over in an interim role if it happened. So, uh, right. yeah, right. but for him, you, what what a well, dream. It, it, uh, it sets up the next season of Ted Lasso pretty well, though, doesn't it? <laughs> I did see somebody ask where he was on the uh, betting odds list. Um, where's Ted Lasso? Yeah, but, but again, you know, it does prompt the question, you know, who who would we get? Who Who could we get? Mm. You know the talk about Nagelsmann, it's great manager, but you have you have to ask why would he come? But then, you know, and in the current in this current situation, I know we're going to go on to talk about the Super League, but if that, if that actually goes ahead, then there's going to be an awful lot of managers, agents, and players who decide whether the trade off with um, tying their tying their kite to a particular team is is going to be worth it is going to be lucrative enough for them so it, it really is uh, as i say the super league thing has sort of thrown all the cards up in the air at the moment um and we're not really sure what's going to happen when they all land the only thing we know for for, for sure is that uh, we won't have our joker yeah and, and like you say we we don't know where any of those those cards will land if if they manage to make nice European Super League with UEFA and or FIFA. Things, I think, settled down tremendously. But currently, there are just threats flying all over the place about uh, players in the Super League not being eligible to play in the World Cup or the Euros. This this league wouldn't start until August, so I think this Euros would be safe. 
unless I'm I'm missing something. Um, well, but yeah. to your point, like players will want in because of the amount of money involved. Players will want out because of national team involvement. Same with managers. Um, I agree with you on, on the short list of managers. Probably Nagelsmann and Allegri are probably two of the ones higher up the list. At the moment, I saw Jurgen Klinsmann as a betting favorite, but I think that's just a, due to his past connections with Tottenham. Um, but yeah, I don't really see a, a clear one because it seems like Nagelsmann will just take Hansi Flick's job at, at Bayern Munich. Yeah. So then, I, so then, what I, happens after that? It seems like sorry is a no go. I would actually love you. You talked about after Pochettino losses, we could sit down and debate like what what happened and tactically what didn't work, team selection stuff like that. Uh, sorry would be very fun to cover, but it sounds like that's not going to happen either. Uh, is it for you just like me? Like we want it to be Nagelsmann, but it probably won't happen. I I don't know. That's the thing. I mean, I. I... Here's who I want it to be. I want it to be Scott Parker five years from now, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, we uh, talked about it on the show yesterday, yeah. although Russ did not recommend him <laughs> if if we were tired of the defensive Mourinho football. I know, I know, I know. I mean, I think I, I, maybe a, a, a double act of, of Scott Parker and Chris Hutton might might do the job for us in, a, in an interim basis or in a short-term basis. But, but I really admire the way in which he has sort of knuckled down and the passion that he has brought to that the role that he has at Fulham uh, and I, I suspect if they do go down which unfortunately is starting to look likely now uh, that they will keep him on and, and let him have a chance to you know to bounce back again so good luck to Scotty and and I really do think if he continues to learn and, and absorb the lessons that he's getting both from uh, from the Premier League and from getting into the Premier League um, then I, I think he'll be a, a, be a fine uh, mm. contender down the road but yeah. as you say it's you know who who do we who do we get to i mean i i hope they'll let ryan mason lead the team out at wembley uh, i think you know i think they'll do that um they'll you know they have to make a decision on who's available um the, who's available that won't be available at the end of the season uh, there are so many uh so many unknowns really just at the moment in in managerial stakes that um you wouldn't want to put a lot of money on on someone specific yeah uh also because we're recording this pretty close to the time that it was officially announced more news continues to come through david ornstein and a couple of other people have written a piece for the athletic that has bullet point reasons um that that he was sacked and and what was happening within the club so i'll just run through them quickly and just get your quick take before we move on uh the athletic reveals tottenham players were left bored and untested by his training sessions very similar to what we heard on pochettino's way out by the way most of the squad were expecting his sacking today after it was postponed uh tactics were so obsessed with stopping opposition players that players were unsure how to attack themselves Mourinho's assistant joe sacramento was unpopular within the squad the club were unhappy with Mourinho's criticism of the players and asked him to stop it. Mourinho <laughs> ran out allies of the club, both on and off the pitch. At the end, only Harry Kane was still loyal to Mourinho. His wow. dismissal had nothing to do with Super League, as was reported by some this morning, and was based purely on results. So to my eye, the big things are the players complaining about not feeling tested in the training sessions, which, like I said, they said about Mourinho. The interesting thing there about Joel Sacramento being unpopular, he was supposed to be kind of this computer whiz kid that was supposed to be the youth side to Mourinho's experience side. Um, the fact that the players multiple times asked him to stop criticizing them publicly and that in the end it was only Kane that was left. Yeah. I wonder, uh, yeah, yeah. I wonder if Harry's own personal um, ambitions and plans have factored into the... Um, into the, uh, the 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 conversation as well. Mm. Uh, I don't know. That's that's the other thing. Is you know, I I hope he'll stay, but I you wouldn't really blame him to be honest. You with can't you. expect him to stay for another cycle. No, no. I'd love it if he did though. But yeah, this this actually makes me worry about that more. Yeah, if, because you'd have to imagine he. Under Pochettino, we were growing something naturally, and we all thought that, you know, we were, for multiple years, people said we were the best team in the league. The the year that Leicester won the title and the year that Chelsea won the title, we'd have guests on the show and continually say that we were the best team they played that season. We certainly Um, played the best football, absolutely. Exactly, but it didn't end up amounting to anything, so then you bring in Mourinho, and so Mourinho sits down Kane, as we saw in the, the documentary, 
and is like, I will turn you into a superstar. And this season is pretty, pretty solid testament to that. So I think Kane saw his own ascendancy and Tottenham's under Mourinho. I think they both are very competitive and driven. You and I talked about on a previous show that um, I don't think Kane was one of the people that would shrink when, you know, addressed aggressively or negatively because he's freaking Harry Kane. Like he's not going to lose his spot just because of a, a few missed chances, the way a few errors at the back was costing center backs months of, of match time uh, at a time. So I, I, I'm now more worried that maybe he, he thought Pochettino was the answer to him finding success. He thought Mourinho was the answer to finding him success. Is there anybody else that can come down, that can come in and prove to Harry Kane that he will win him something at Tottenham? I don't think you can, both because I don't think the club's at that place anymore, and because Mourinho is like the winner, short of yeah. Guardiola or Zidane rocking up. There's not anybody that can as successfully throw medals on the table and say, "Listen to me." Um, and I think at the end, that's what Kane was still listening to when nobody else was. Yes, no, I totally agree with all of that. I think that's exactly right. And and again, uh, we were talking about the, the carrot and the stick approach and, and putting your arm around somebody. Mourinho probably did put his arm around Harry, and Harry was the player who least needed it, um, if yeah. you know what I mean. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely right. And And so we get to a situation where, again, we're speculating about Harry's future and whether he'll stay, whether he'll go, where would he go? Uh, and again, those questions are going to be um, up in the air until until this uh, situation with the Super League is resolved. Because there's there's always for a player like Harry, there's always going to be a, a, a limited universe of clubs where he could where he could actually go. Uh, and you know, all all the Super League does is just reinforce that that sense of. Um, of uniqueness, of limited um, uh, opportunities for him, limited limited avenues. Yeah, and I do think it's uh, an interesting one because this whole time I've been saying, regardless of whether or not he wants to go, who has the money to do it? But uh, 12 clubs just got 320-plus yeah. million euros uh, day yeah. one. So if you're wondering where the money to sack Mourinho came from, probably there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, can those mega clubs actually afford him? I guess only time I, I will still- tell. Somebody asked me the other day. They said, "You know, if, if Kane does leave at the end of the season, what uh, what do you think uh, he'll go for?" Uh, and and my response was, and this is obviously before the the, the Super League talk started. Uh, my response was, in this current market, probably half of what Levy wants for him. Uh, and so, in, in a way, I think that the the market, the internal market for for players and managers as well, I think has been has been thrown uh, into uh, in, in, into uh, confusion um, by this. So there has to be, as you, as you were saying, the point you were making, I think about the Euros coming up. I mean that the the national representation mm. thing is something that's going to be, have to be sorted out very quickly. Um, but yes, I, I think that there there has to be a, a resolution to this. Very quickly, I think, because I, I can't remember anything like um, the concerted widespread condemnation from from fans, from fans groups uh, and, and especially those of the clubs involved who would actually benefit from this. You know, and uh, did you see mm. Evel's uh, interview the other night? The, it was his- very strongly worded. It was, but you know, actually, it, it it was pretty spot on. It has to be said, and 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 it largely sums up a lot of the reaction from from very ordinary fans. Um, uh, and and again, also, I think it it puts the managers of the existing club, the club, you know, the twelve clubs, it puts them in a in a kind of a strange position. I mean, obviously, we, we, you've one less to worry about this morning, but um, but it's interesting that I mean, Klopp, for example, has. He's already on the record from a couple of years ago as saying that he's against the idea of a, of a Super League because, in effect, that the, the Champions League had already become a Super League. So it's it's going to be interesting to see if there's if there's conflict between managers and and their clubs uh, as this goes forward. Uh, and and you know as you, as you know, Kev, I mean that the concept, the idea, of the Super League has been floating around for for years in different forms, but but. The timing now seems particularly cynical. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, 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 it's like it, it took a pandemic 
for for owners to realize that they didn't actually need fans in the seats in order to in order to make money and to make a lot of money as well uh and i and i think going back to what you were saying i mean the structure how the explanations that they've given uh for the, for the structure and how it's going to work that's actually less important right now than just the threat and the threat is going to have to be resolved before we can move on to to some something else so um yeah no i i, I it, it's um as you say there's there's a big body of uh belief that says that this is a it's a power play it's trying to leverage the uh the um the um changes in the in the way in which the champions league is structured and the way in which the the revenues are are shared out from that uh and i think maybe down the road we might end up seeing some some sort of agreement but the clubs at least know that they have that power in their back pocket, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting that it's happened now. I think the sad thing that, that has come out of this is they're coming out of a year with, as you say, no fans and also with no money uh, after the financial impact of all of this. And when given the choice between which thing do we want to recover, everybody right. unanimously said money. At the time when these clubs yeah. were dented slightly, financially their solution was the first thing that offers me the biggest check i'm going to agree to and then they they all agreed to it unanimously well in england anyway um right yeah it, it's it's well, a tough one the sense the sense of suffering the sense of being dented is it's all relative really isn't it i mean there's certainly in, in in the playing terms there there, there was a, a sense of detachment from uh, in that relationship between the clubs and the fans since uh, the lockdown started and you know i know you and i have spoken before about the the loss of home field advantage but i think there is that sort of realization that 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 part of the game that part of the relationship between the the team and the fans wasn't as crucial as a lot of people believed it to be so i i think and i i i'd love to hear what you think about this but i it, for me it it doesn't take a big leap to sort of imagine that if the breakaway was to go ahead, you know, pretty soon there wouldn't be games in London or Manchester or Milan at all, but they'd be in Beijing or Dubai or, or New York probably. And, and you know, <laughs> they might as well be esports teams playing FIFA, <laughs> you know? Yeah, Jamie and I talked about that a little bit on the show yesterday and then continued on Twitter, but is this not the ultimate realization of what the ICC was attempting? For those that don't know, the mm. International Champions Cup, where you just drag the biggest clubs right. everywhere all over the summer to play each other exclusively. They're automatically selected. It has nothing to do with merit or anything like that. Just who who's going to get the most turnout? Who are the biggest names? Um, I, I know people often scoff at Tottenham being there, but Tottenham are the 10th most profitable club <laughs> in the world right now. Um, for anybody still wondering why, why Tottenham are involved. I was just going to say the thing with the ICC was that it was never envisaged as anything other than um, uh, uh, exhibition games. It was never, you know, going to run alongside uh, competitive domestic um, competitions. So that, in a sense, is and and this is where I'm with Klopp. I mean, the Champions League had already evolved into a Super League. The Champions and their League announcement is- today did nothing to dissuade that opinion. No. No, I, I, I mean, for me, it's just a, it's just a, a greed-driven power play, basically. And, 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 and the interesting thing is, no matter how it resolves itself now, it's going to be really hard for the clubs to walk this back, because if it doesn't happen, that the damage to their reputations already been done. But yeah, they've but they already made care. official announcements and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I liked the conspiracy theory that this was all just the power play to get what they wanted, which it seems like the Champions League was doing anyway. Although if you read into some of the financial uh, ramifications of some of the Super League stuff, it gets nefarious really quickly. Basically, Mm -hmm. if any of the founding members win, they get a certain amount of money. And if any of the qualifying teams win, they get like a quarter of that amount of money. Um, This is is not set up to be equal, uh, perhaps to the shock of none. And I think... While there might be decent matches played on the pitch, as we talked about in the show yesterday, the reason that these big matches when they're playing in the Champions League are so exciting is because they've both been earned. And right. now they're yeah. just going to be scheduled all the time, so they'll probably lose a bit of specialness. But also, you have to remember, while all of these teams are unified right now in leaving, 
there are going to be small boys and big boys in this group of 12, in the eventual group of 15, in the eventual group of 20. Like, this is not... <laughs> there's even going to be a lack of parity within this entity, which breaking away <laughs> is its own sense of, of breaking parity in the sport. So, it's, But don't you think that's the intention? That that essentially is, you know, mm-hmm. if you've got three or four, again, this limited universe of clubs, three or four big teams... They need people to play against yeah. and sort of, you know, us and Arsenal for now are the, you know. AC Milan <laughs> you know, probably as well. Sheffield yeah. United of, uh, the, of the Super League. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, right now, I mean, European football, European competition is is an open meritocracy. Right. And and this upends that concept. It just basically takes it and, and, and turns it into uh, a closed shop or, or a virtual closed shop, like a like an American style um, sports league, where the the value of the franchises is in their is in their scarcity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, curious from your perspective, I, I've seen a, a, probably the main debate of cool headed people discussing Tottenham's involvement is basically this was going to happen anyway. This is kind of the end point. Well. <laughs> We could only hope of the financial greed in football and that if this was already going to happen and there was going to be an inside versus an outside, that it's better that we're in rather than out. How do you feel about that, obviously, as a a longstanding Tottenham fan? I think any Spurs fan tonight looking at the reports about this, um, if you look at our situation compared with the vast majority of the other teams involved, you can't pretend, you can't even pretend for a second that the cr- criteria for inclusion of, in this has anything to do with performance. There's nothing no, to do with financial performance. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, this is, this is, the, logical, this is the logical extension of the Deloitte um, rich list. Because mm-hmm. as soon as that started to be published, pe- that was how people would look at their club and their club's performance. And you're sort of thinking... Well, this is bollocks because we we haven't won anything for you know thirteen years. How are we doing this? How are yeah. we doing this? Uh, I know it's. I, I gotta tell you, I part of me still think, and it's still early. I mean, obviously that everything can change in twenty four hours. But you know, yeah, it, part of me still thinks this is a play. This is a play to to leverage power with UEFA and and get their own way in steering the direction of the Champions League in terms of. Um, um, allocation resources and that sort of thing, but I, I think an awful lot would depend on what would happen to what's left. You know, what happens to domestic structures and UEFA competitions, as well as you know, as we talked about before, I mean, things like national team representation. Um, can can existing structures coexist with a brand new structure fitting in within that? I mean, for example, the, the the fact that the ESL clubs so far have said that they want to continue to play in their domestic leagues. Um, yeah, it's in their I, statement. It's on their site. Yeah, yeah. I, you see, I think that might just be like initial cover so they can say they're not actually, quote, breaking away. Or, you know, maybe they're hedging their bets in case um, in case the TV revenues don't, don't siphon off enough from the domestic coverage, from the existing domestic coverage. But again, it, it, you know, from a practical logistical perspective, you're adding more games, way more games into an already congested domestic calendar. Um, but the the big point is about resources, and surely there's an already enough disparity in resources in domestic leagues without the super wealthy clubs bringing those additional resources back from the Super League into domestic competitions, which they already dominate, you know? It's it's about control, it's about revenues, it's about, um, you know, and, and I was talking to somebody last night, actually, about clubs that are now uh, embracing uh, NFTs, for example, as a way mm-hmm. of catering to the fans of the future. I mean, this is just nonsense. Uh, you, you're You're really moving to a point where competition the notion of competition is being replaced by content this is what they're selling they're not selling the excitement of football they're selling your allegiance they're selling your your um 
the way you demonstrate your allegiance to a particular club. Uh, and it's a, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous road to go down. Yeah, and unfortunately, it looks like one that we are about to go down. Like you said, it, <laughs> I think we all are hoping this is still some kind of power play, but with the the uh, kind of official feeling of all of it, as you say, think- even even if they backtrack now, everyone knows what their intent was. Yes, like yes. like the mask is well and truly off it's at this point. It's out in the open, and they're not. There's no. There's no pretense now between uh, fans and customers. We're now just right. customers, you know. Yeah, may and, as well and, go support Lacoste or Adidas well, directly rather than the, the clubs that well, wear it. And you know, I was thinking actually this morning when I when I started to read about this, um, there was a wonderful football-related event in uh, Belfast here last week where the Northern Ireland women's team the Northern Ireland international women's team who are all part-timers, you know, that literally the personification of why the game matters, why the game's important, why the game has passion. They, uh, they beat the Ukraine in Belfast to qualify for next summer's Euro finals. And, you mm-hmm. know, that was, that's just the complete anathema to what we were reading about this morning about this idea that, you know, you, you're just content. The game that you produce is content. And it, it has been heading in this direction for a while, Kevin. And, and you and I have, have had conversations over beers about this mm. uh, over many, many years. Um, but when it, when it finally sort of hits you that this is, this is where your club is going, um, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I necessarily want to go along for the ride. Yeah, and I guess we'll kind of end with, the, with that general question, which is, if Tottenham are in the ESL and it means that they're not in the Premier League or the Champions League, will you still tune in and watch or, or will it kind of sever that years long relationship? Of course I'll watch. Yeah, I know. I think I'm at the same of place. Of course I'll watch, but I'll hate myself for it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, it's it's like, like we were talking about with the Carabao Cup. I mean, it's, you know, this, this should be going to Wembley should be the, the high point of, um, of any team's uh, any team's uh, season, and yet this it feels like an underachievement. Getting to an, uh, getting to a final feels like a disappointment, and I think it'll feel that way when we're watching. You know, God help us. You know, it doesn't happen, but we're we're watching uh, Spurs play Juventus for you know the third time in uh, in six months with nothing at stake, with absolutely nothing at stake. Every time the team goes on the field, there has to be something at stake. Otherwise, you lose the soul of football. Yeah, and it feels like we're dangerously close to that. And as you said earlier, we we talked about how football was heading this direction. And I I do think that bears some noting that while everybody's really mad about the European Super League, I think what everybody's mad is they can't act under the illusion that this is about the game or about the fans anymore. And it hasn't been for a while. I just think this is the like clearest indication we've had yet that it's just about money. And it, it, just to loop it back to, to Tottenham and, and Levy, like we mentioned at the beginning, this is his version of success. It's not on the pitch. It is the company, Tottenham Hotspur, performing well off of it. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to come to terms with that at some point. But they do still play on a pitch, whether it's in the European Super League or the Premier League. Or somehow both, if, if they can get along, time will tell. But yeah, it's, it's, it's been a rough 24 hours for a Spurs fan. And a word for me, tired. <laughs> what would you say is your, your word of the past day? Yeah, no, it feels that way. I mean, Terry Venables wrote a book a long, long time ago called They Used to Play on Grass, mm. um, which, which tra- was an, a, a vision of football in the future. Um, with the idea that there were no fans allowed at, at games because of hooliganism. Um, huh? and, and so now we're, you know, we're, <laughs> we're getting to a ridiculous situation. And I, and I think just to, to follow up on what you said, this inevitability that the road that, the, that we're on on this, I think you can track, track that back to, um, when the champions league opened up from just the, uh, the European, European cup. cup. Yeah. yeah. And, and effectively finishing fourth was the goal for teams to, uh, especially teams who are, who were not, um, you know, at, at, in the upper echelon particularly. Uh, so we, we have a situation now where it's it, it was more financially lucrative for teams to actually finish fourth 
than to go and win the FA Cup or, or you know, something right. along. And so, so the, the notion of glory, which we talk about a lot as, as Spurs fans, uh, was replaced by pragmatism, by, by financial pragmatism. Uh, and and this is this is basically where where we've ended up. Yeah, this is the end result of that. All right, we'll see if we could talk forever both about Tottenham, the Mourinho era, ESL, etc. But you know, we'll just ha- have to hang our hats on the cup final and see how all of these massive footballing organizations, none of which are particularly morally stronger than any of the others, decide what the fate of football at large is. But thanks so much for joining me today. If you'd like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Well, thanks very much for having me back, Kevin. It was a, it was a, a great conversation, although I'm really sad we were, we were having it. Um, uh you can you can get me at Steve McGookin on Twitter, uh, or if you want to follow some of my non-football writing, you can get me at northernslant.com. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable, both on Twitter and on all of the podcasting sites. Um, also, if you want to hear a longer conversation about the ESL and what it could mean for the Premier League at large, be sure to listen to our EPL Roundtable episode from yesterday. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, football world all up in the air and we'll try to we'll try to keep tabs on it as as you said earlier as the cards continue to fall but thanks so much for coming on steve it was a pleasure as always and folks at home we hope you keep listening deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.